Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, set your clocks forward, folks. Set them forward, right? Spring forward, fall back. Sunday morning, March 13th, 2022. It's episode 340 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Ken Flo's rocking a beanie. It's a pretty good look for you. Pretty cold, I'd imagine, in Charlotte, North Carolina today, if South Florida is any indicator. Yeah, dude, it's a little little chilly here. A little chilly. Uh, so yeah, dealing with dealing with a little bit of cold for the first time in a little while. It was eighty last week, and now it's freezing today. Bouncing all over the place. Yeah, feels like hurricane force winds in South Florida yesterday. But uh, I like it. You know, I like the the weather variable. I actually had a hoodie on, but I wanted to show off my brand new AF Pod two thousand six. Kelly Green t-shirt, so we got rid of the hoodie. Um, But it's great to be with everybody. We'll be talking to Raymond Longo in about 15 minutes. He actually asked to come on in the a.m. today, so he must have some sort of private. Maybe Dougie fucking Green gets the 1 p.m. slot for a uh, back-to-back week. But we'll recap uh, UFC Fight Night Santos versus Ankalaev uh, with Raymond. Also get his thoughts on Aljamain Sterling because uh, UFC 273 is coming up quickly. Uh, And then some predictions for the UFC's return to London, England for the first time in three years uh, coming up this Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. But we begin with headlines. And, of course, we will begin with last night's main event. Uh, A little bit of a listless main event, if I'm being honest, between Magomed Ankalaev and Tiago Santos. By the way, big, big night for Ken Flo, 5-1. Finally. Only one you lost was uh, Terrence McKinney, whom you took a flyer on as a two-to-one underdog. But it was Ankalaev over Tiago Mejeta Santos, 49-46 times two, 48-47 for the third dissenting judge. Um, 
I don't know that there's all that much to unpack in terms of the fight. I know the commentators expressed some surprise as to the approach from Magomed Ankalaev. Um, but ultimately, the first order of business is winning. Uh, he did so decisively, uh, and he maintains his momentum in a wide-open division. Your thoughts on Ankalaev and the main event last night, kid? You know, it wasn't one of those performances where you're kind of like, hey, yeah, absolutely, this guy might be the champion. It, it, it gave me a little bit of doubt, but it, it didn't ruin his chances of becoming a champion in my mind. You know, still a lot of potential. Um, and I think the approach uh, or maybe the fight was not as great as people anticipated because of two reasons. Number one, um, you know, I think you always have to respect Santos, right? Here's a guy who has a lot of power. You have to give him that respect. You get hit with him, hit by him once, and you go, okay, this guy can put me out. Number two, it also has to do with Santos. Santos has taken more of a conservative approach. Even when he comes forward, he's not throwing these blitzing-type combinations. He's not trying to take your head off all the time. Um, he uses his strikes sparingly um, and tends to kind of uh, not bring the fight as much as he used to, it seems anyway. Um, so I, I think that kind of had a lot to do with it. And, and Ankalaev isn't just a crazy, you know, run forward, face first approach type of fighter. Uh, he is very technical. He's very calculated. And I thought we were going to see an amazing fight the way that first round was going when he, when he put Santos to one knee there. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of just, uh, I guess, fizzled off a little bit. But still, Ankalaev uh, is a fantastic fighter. One popular take seems to be that Tiago Santos is just not the same guy uh, since the knee injuries and the accompanying invasive surgeries and everything else. And uh, I guess I would throw that one at you. I mean, we talked last week, Brian Petrie and I did during the main event challenge about how we thought that Santos was actually the guy that gave John Jones the best fight at 205 pounds and came the closest to beating him. Um, but yeah, man, he just seems a little bit reluctant. And even in a situation like last night, in which it seemed like he needed to finish late. It just, it was, I mean, there were times when he went for it, but I don't know, man, Cody Merrow turned the fight off and he doesn't do that very often. Yeah, listen, I, I think that uh, that could very well be the case. I've never suffered a, a terrible knee injury like that, but we have seen certain guys in the past that either their bodies or the surgery itself or maybe some kind of mental crutch prevents them from putting a lot of weight on that leg that was injured. So, who knows what the situation is? He definitely has taken a more conservative approach. Um, doesn't seem to be throwing with the same uh, amount of uh, power and aggression that he did in the past, it seems anyway. Um, still a dangerous guy, but um, yeah, I, I think that Tiago Santos that we saw fight against John Jones perhaps yeah. uh, might be gone. Who knows? Remember that Steve Bosse highlight back in 2015 in Hollywood, Florida? Tiago Santos uh, was certainly one of my favorites when I was coming up calling fights for the UFC. So, Cody, you can throw the top 10 at 205 pounds in the private chat if you'd be so inclined. But I kept thinking about Jamal Hill last night, right, and mm. how he maximized that main event showcase several weeks ago. And not to say that Ankalaev did not. And I also had in my notes as I was watching the fight this morning that for Magomed Ankalaev, if he fights for the championship, Kenny, you know, people aren't going to be talking about this per performance or how it lacked style points. I mean, he's had plenty of highlights over the years, but you have to think promotionally right now, you know, where does Ankalaev, where is he relative to a guy like Jamal Hill, you know? And to mm. me, it's like I would be propping up a guy like Jamal Hill stylistically, not only 
I mean, I think both of these guys have championship ceiling, but you know, I just kept thinking about Jamal Hill and how I'd be propping that guy up. Um, you know, if I, if I was a promoter. Yeah, listen, I think Jamal Hill uh, is the more marketable guy. I think he is the more dangerous guy in a lot of ways. Um, Uncle Ive, you know, can always fall back on that wrestling style as well. He can mix things up. I thought he went to that wrestling uh, game a little bit too late in the fight. I would like to see him use that maybe a little earlier to put Santos on his back. But, uh, yeah, but I, I do think that if you want to promote another main event or if you want to get a guy who's going to fight for the belt who's going to have that it or danger factor jamal hill's that guy uh uncle i have may have missed that opportunity a little bit last night yeah so i know alexander rockich uh was tweeting that he was watching that fight intently presumably he will be fighting jan blahovich as we've discussed i know that fight was to headline here 13 days from now glover Teixeira, of course against yuri prohaska uh, but Uncle Live's right there at number six. You know, Jamal Hill, 10 or so. A lot of the other guys are booked up. I mean, Dominic Reyes, I guess, is lurking. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, to see Jamal Hill and Uncle Live cross paths at some point in time. Mm-hmm. But very interesting to see how it all plays out at 205 pounds. Uh, all right, co-main event at Bantamweight, Song Yedong over Magic Marlin Ice. This is a signature win. I mean, say what you want about Marais' current form, but this is the biggest win of the career to date for Song Yudong. What do you have for us, kid, on the co-main event? I agree. There's no doubt about it. This was his biggest win for sure. Um, you know, I, the, the approach is out there, right? The, the blueprint is out there on how to beat Marais. You got to stay in his face. You got to pressure. You got to return every time he throws a shot at you. Uh, and you got to throw combinations uh, and back him up. And that's exactly what Song Yudong did. Um, I, I did think it was a good matchup for him. Uh, he's got some serious power. He's very athletic. One of the few guys I think that can match the speed and athleticism of someone like Marlon Morais. The difference or that little edge factor is the fact that he still has a tremendous chin uh, and his, his conditioning is phenomenal. It's even better than that of Marlon Morais. So uh, this was a tough one for Morais. Uh, big win for Song Yudong. Uh, I think it put his name on the map. He is someone to be respected for sure. Was before that, but even more so uh, after last night. And uh, I mean, again, talking talk about making the, the most out of your opportunities. He certainly did that. Yeah, and we've talked in the past about Song Yudong getting a favorable split decision here or there and maybe hasn't had you know, the fanfare that would come with having just one loss in nine UFC fights coming in. Um, But he certainly kept the judges out of it. There was nothing close about this fight. I also had written down Keith Peterson. I thought he saved Marlon Marais some extra punishment there. And I think that just speaks to Keith knowing the athlete and obviously knowing that New Jersey Northeast circuit intimately and and knowing Marlon Marais and knowing where he's at at this stage of his career. Song Yudong was calling for a fight with Dominic Cruz. I know... uh, Team Alpha Male would enjoy preparing for Dominic Cruz again at this stage of Cruz's career. Um, any appetite from you for for Song Yudong and Cruz next? I seems like Cruz and Aldo is going to happen, but I guess wow. Well, I, I are mean, you that, breaking news right now, Eric? It would seem to me. Let me just say, promotionally, you got to think that's the direction in which they would want Dude, to. Um, that, and, okay, okay. All right, so I don't even care about Song Yudong now. I don't, huh. I don't want to see the fight. You just you just killed it. I mean, I, listen, I, yeah, it's okay, but Aldo Cruz? Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, right. Go no, Aldo on. Cruz makes a go lot on. of sense. Yeah, right. like go, on. Go, go on. Go on. Go on. Uh, and I don't even 
necessarily know where the fighters are relative to the rankings. Um, I think a Song Yudong fight would interest Cruz, um, but not nearly as much as some of the guys yeah. ranked above him. And I don't believe Song Yudong qualifies there. But again, if you're talking about the Chinese fighters, and I'm bullish on some of these Chinese fighters, younger fighters, even Rong Zhu and guys who have lost fights recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but Song Yudong, Kemflo, it's hard to argue against, right? Ten UFC starts. Only one setback, and I think right now you'd have to argue among the men he is China's best hope for immediate UFC glory, despite the fact that he is in um, a ruthless, thankless, unforgiving division. All right. Featherweight feature bout, Sadiq Yusuf over Alex Caceres. I mean, clean fight for Sadiq, I thought. 30-27 times 2, 29-28 from the third judge. I mean, you guys, you and Brian last week, I think, set this one up pretty well. And uh, Caceres just didn't have a lot of answers. Uh, You know, his lower half was compromised courtesy of Yusuf's fine work. And, uh, you know, Sadiq sort of valued the octagon time, the 15 minutes. He hasn't had a lot of it. Um, What do you have for us on Sadiq Yusuf over Alex Caceres? Yeah, you know, I think this was a solid performance for him uh, overall. I think I, I would have liked to seen him uh, get a finish. Uh, obviously, Caceres is riding high on a or was riding high on a good win streak. Um, a lot of things are coming together for Caceres, and, and he's tough, dude. He really is sneaky tough. He had his moments early in the fight, almost took his back and stuff like that. But uh, Sadiq stayed calm, uh, was able to claw back into the fight and and win every round. I thought. Um, was effective, and, and that's the way I saw it. You know, I, I saw him stopping a lot of those takedown attempts, um, and uh, you know, getting top position if they were going to hit the ground, um, just based on his anti wrestling and stuff. Caceres isn't the 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 best takedown artist uh, right now, but he is crafty and he is slick, um, and he knows how to survive and, and do well based on his experience and his interesting striking style. Uh, but that's pretty much the way I saw it. You know, um, I thought it was a solid performance overall and, uh, you know, Caceres is tough. All right. Back to the light heavyweight division. Now fighters ranked 11 through 15, Paul Craig, Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann, Jimmy crew, Dustin Jacoby. And I believe that Khalil Roundtree juniors next opponent is going to come out of that mix. This dude is absolutely frightening. I don't know what his ceiling is. I know mentally he's in a very good place in terms of his focus. We have had a lot of memorable fighter meetings with Khalil Roundtree Jr. over the years when he has been at different places in terms of his mental development. But my God, Kenny, I mean, it it literally feels like you're like releasing the bull, you know? Yeah, he's always had a lot of potential. Uh, he's an excellent athlete. He's he's very fast and very powerful. Um, but yeah, I, I think mentally there's been times where he hasn't been there. It's like, where's the guy that starts that dude in like 15 seconds? Where Where's that guy? But now we're seeing, uh, I think, a more consistent approach. I think he's making better game time decisions as well as far as his adjustments during a fight. Uh, he's coming in with more of a focus, more of a confidence. And, you know, I hate using those cliches of like, what is your why? But um, he seems yeah. to have a, a very strong why. He he understands his purpose now. I mean, talk about being a powerful striker. Uh, he's He had a very powerful speech after his fight as well. Very emotional. And I think that says a lot. And I think it's very important to, you know, I, I talk about this spiritualizing your warfare of having something that goes beyond or giving you a very strong why of why you're doing what you're doing. Because 
it, it can get very uh, monotonous training, right? It, 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 the, having that daily grind can wear on you mentally, physically. So if you're not inspired by something, if you don't have a true hardcore purpose of being the best martial artist you can be, get out of the game. It's too yeah. dangerous. Go, go, go do something else for a paycheck. Some people can't. Okay. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But as far as the danger, uh, danger factor of this game, yeah. Uh, you, you have to be very well motivated and inspired every single day, no matter what. This game's way too tough. And for Khalil, I, I think he has that. And, and it was very much present in the way that he fought and the way that he explained himself after this fight. I think he's a special individual that is bound for greater things outside of the sport. I don't know what yeah. that is exactly, yeah. but I love his story. I was inspired by it. Um, and, uh, I wish continued success for that guy. Uh, I, I think he's got a lot of charisma, uh, and I do think he's a very talented fighter as well. So I, I wish him the best. It was awesome to see him get that kind of a win because Robertson is tough, uh, and can present a lot of problems for a lot of guys in that yeah. division. So Roundtree getting the, the win in the fashion that he did was pretty special. It was an interesting night for the light heavyweight division, and this fight was a, an interesting juxtaposition compared to the main event, right? Because if Khalil Roundtree Jr. was fighting Magomed Ankalaev on this night, maybe it goes 25 minutes and, a ta and it's a tactical fight. Maybe it doesn't, right? But it's like during this main event, as I'm watching, I'm watching on mute, trying to put a kid. To, I, I watched it this morning in its yeah. entirety. But it's like, you know you can step away for a minute, or I certainly felt like I could. And then the Roundtree Jr. fight is like, Dude, I, I I'm I want to step away. I'm about to see a fatality. I kind of want to yeah. walk away for a minute. Like <laughs> this was a really violent night at times. Yeah. And we'll get to Chris Mutino. I don't know if you saw the highlight of him. I did not getting, of that. I mean, yeah, just blasted by Guido Canetti, who's our age. You know, I mean, a right. standing knockout. And thankfully, it stopped. It was stopped when it was. I know some people disagree with that but dude like i don't know man there's something about roundtree jr and the way he fights and now he's got a little bit of momentum um i think that that more elite matchups could potentially bring out the best in him i mean certainly there are some difficult stylistic challenges as he climbs the ladder but he's such a good dude and i'm, I'm very happy for yeah. him uh to get a win like this all right you and brian petrie both like Terrence McKinney and nearly paid off for you. Close. Yeah. So I mean, close. he had a, a huge knee and a huge moment early against Drew Dober. And uh, obviously we know McKinney's a stud, especially early. What were your thoughts on, uh, on Dober's rally for uh, another big UFC knockout for him? Dude. I mean, Dober is tough as hell. I, I didn't need to see last night's fight to know that, right, right. but it's just extra confirmation, extra whipped cream with a cherry on top oh. that this dude is a savage. Um, to stay focused and to believe in yourself after getting knocked down several times and taking a beating dude in round one, getting a start like that uh, is very tough. Typically, you see guys, okay, I got to get into at least round two to get something going for myself. Um, but, man, he kept the pressure, kept firing back, and that was the key. You know, I, I think for McKinney, he obviously still young in the, in the game as far as fighting at a UFC level. He has a lot of firepower. But to me, it, it and of course, he took the fight on short notice, but what he was throwing out there, it didn't seem sustainable to me. Like, he was he was... It seemed like he was dead set on finishing that fight in round one. Um, and I, I think that hurt him. But anyway, Drew Dober, man, what a beast. Huge win for him, given yeah. the fact that, you know, that he did not get, get a good start. 
Drew Dober now in a tie for third all time in terms of the most knockouts in UFC lightweight history with six. Wow. So uh, just two back of uh, Dustin Poirier, who is the all-time leader at 155 pounds. All right. I do want to get to Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler, a fight announcement that uh, surfaced since we were last on the air. But quickly on the middleweights, Alex Pereira and Bruno Silva. It was Pereira 30 to 27 times three. Oh, and it looks like Ray Longo. Oh, shit. We're off. Which way are we going? Bring on the handsome on a Sunday morning. Look, look at you. Shirt. You look like you've been awake for hours. Look at that shirt. The John oh, Ed. Yeah. Look at that. I'm going to go get headphones. Wait a minute. All right. Take your time. Yeah. The Led <laughs> Zeppelin right mugs back. are sold out, I but see. the John Ed t-shirts are uh, oh, 50% off. <laughs> Kenny, while Ray... Um, you know, puts his junk in the screen and goes, yeah, nice crotch headphones. Yeah. Um, Silva as advertised. Uh, what an awesome way to kick off the main card. Dude, he's a beast. That was a great fight. Um, a little nervous for him at times, by oh, the no. way, <laughs> that head, that head was kind of a little high for my liking. And, and, uh, you know, uh, he was getting caught there, but again, Pereira, uh, is a savage. I thought, He's experiencing a lot early on in his career where he's dealing with the grappling. He's answering those questions. He's finding a way to get back to his feet. He's taking shots, right? Um, so I hope that he's going to learn from all of this experience. Um, you know, for, for everyone who is excited about him facing someone like uh, Adesanya at this point, you know, I, I have to heavily favor Adesanya, right? And that's that goes without saying. But Pereira hits so damn hard, uh, it seems like he's made out of steel. And he's oh. very mentally tough, it seems, where he knows how to respond and fire back even when he's dealing with that kind of adversity. So he's learning very quickly, man, and that's a good yeah. sign. So yeah. I think he's on his way to improving. And I wouldn't be surprised where he kind of experiences a little bit of volatility, volatility early on in his career and then yeah. just goes on this crazy win streak and just murders everybody yeah. right. uh, because he certainly has that potential. But I, I think um, – it was another really good performance for him because the guy that he faced is really tough. Oh, had way no more experience doubt. than him, man. Yeah. I can't wait to see Bruno Silva in terms of his career in the UFC moving forward. You know, mm -hmm. I said last week about a different fight, like it's a lazy take when you say, Oh, I hate that these guys have to fight each other right now, you know, but I I, I did think that this was asking a lot of Bruno Silva to beat Alex Pereira, and he was unable to do so, obviously. And I just, I don't know. I just am very curious to see how they match make Bruno Silva moving forward. But Pereira is the real deal. And uh, yep. Dan Danbury, Connecticut's got another one. So, like, if you're watching on TV and not on audio, we're in a three shot right now looking at Ray Longo's blinds. And I don't know if it's too much of me to, to ask our producer, Ray, but like, can we do all this off the air next time and not on the air? Like, is that too much of me to ask an episode? Can we keep it real? Can we keep it real? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, you are. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, an unbelievable T-shirt. Come on. Uh, keep it real, John. By the way, way, John, the good thing is with the crotch shot that he gave us when he stood up, we probably gained another 10,000 subscribers. Oh, you know, so God. at least so the pe at people least. want people want real live organic action. Right. Right. <laughs> So uh, oh, yeah. we were talking a little. It's great to see you, man. You're looking lean yeah. and lean, man. Oh, yeah. Good. A rough yeah. weekend, man. I, just, I, I didn't weekend. even think I was getting back. I didn't think the uh, they canceled a bunch of flights. Yeah, so I guess there's some snow on the East Coast. So where were you and, and how did it go where you were? 
Well, I went to, I had uh, Dylan Montello fighting in Eagle FC. I didn't go his way. Good fight against an undefeated uh, prospect. Uh, it was a unanimous decision, but it was a good, really good scrap. How was the show? How was it being in Miami? Thanks for the, the phone call. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, How was it? Said, I thought it was uh, it was all right. I, I was it was quick. I was in and out. But they they, they ran the show. Uh, Khabib did a great job with the show. It was run well. Um, you know, all the transportation, all the you know ancillary stuff was great, and uh, that was it. They had some good fights. You like Kenny's beanie? I I I feel uh, we're on the ski slope somewhere. We're in Vermont right now. I feel yeah, yeah, oh, somewhere man. in New England for sure. So what, how much of uh, what is he doing? He missed the yeah, what's he, missed he going, the going through today. something? No, he missed the showtime yeah. today. He thought we were starting an hour later than we were, so he threw. I out pulled the, the longo. I pulled the longo. Ah. Oh man! <laughs> hey, so I got a few things to get to with you today. Aljamain Sterling, chief among them. Um. How much of last night's main card were you able to watch? I saw the whole main card. I got I I saw ninety percent of the fights. So how about Khalil Roundtree Jr.? I've watched that body kick that lay, it hit most of Robertson's arm. Thank God, because we could be talking about a funeral, you know. Yeah. But my God, man, the vile like I'm always the one who's sitting on here saying, "Oh, MMA superficially violent. Go watch football or hockey." But like last night, if you're watching MMA. That's the most violent fucking sport on the planet. Oh no, that was that was that was violent. It wasn't. It was. It was the that whole fight. I think the whole yeah, fight. The whole, it was like. Well, he came out. He came out different. You know, one time he's. You know, he came out. He's. You know, he was in Thailand. He's all he's doing is throwing Thai kicks. This time he's in the crouch. But man, when he when he let it go, man, he let it go. And you're right. If that kick is off by a couple inches. And and calls calls a good fighter, man. He's been I've I know him, I know yeah, his I know trainer. He he's been in the gym. He's he's definitely a good fighter. But I think I think when you're in that position, Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong. You see anything coming at you like that, you're you're just freaking out. I think so. It could have hit his arm, John, but the thought probably was like, "Holy shit, that guy's kicking my head while I'm down." Yeah, well, that's, I, mean? I thought I thought Herb Dean was going to yeah. stop. I thought he was stopping the fight because he thought it was an illegal blow, and I was like, "Oh my god." But uh, you know, it takes a lot of balls to throw that kick. Oh when yeah, he did, I, too. I mean, because it, it had that stink on it, where he's like, oh, he's yeah. trying to slice him in half with it, and uh, thank God he was precise with it. He hit the body well, instead of the head because Ro- Robinson's head could have been outside the cage. Without a doubt, you know that thing, yeah. he just now you you there was something about Cahill that you, you felt the violence, man. You know. Yeah. And I then that, that watching UFC five again. Oh yeah, 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 it had that feel to it. Where, yeah, it was uh, yeah. Gerard Godot kicking that guy's tooth out tooth of his out. mouth. Yeah, Remember yeah. the big, uh, the sumo wrestler. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, we get frozen Longo for the first time. That's new, huh? It's me. Uh, I don't know if that was on my end or your end. No, it's all good. But yeah, no, I just had to lead with that because I. Oh yeah, no, that was that was speak. violent. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Does gosh. anybody know what what he was talking about afterwards? What the heck is he doing in New York? What is saying he was looking for something? I don't right? know. He was. I don't know. I don't know. If I don't you know. find, I mean, I, I, if 
I, don't I mean, know. it looks like he wants to do something, but if there's anything I could do to help that guy, a hundred percent would. That's I, right. I just couldn't maybe, figure yeah. out what he was even saying. You know. All right. Like well, maybe was... one of our listeners will put it together at Ray Longo MMA, and you can message Ray. Yeah. What's going on? Anything to help somebody looking to do something? Yeah. No, he sounded. He cool. sounded. Uh, no, nah, that was intense afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, if there's anything I could ever do to help that guy, I mean, I really, I don't know him, but yeah, I, this, the backstory seems phenomenal. Uh, wildly entertaining main card opener, I thought between uh, Pareda and Bruno Silva. Did you see that fight? What? A, yeah, it was a good fight. So good. I'll tell you, and, and Silva, man, Silva could throw, but the other guy's accurate, and and he can also throw. And uh, yeah, he looks. You no, know, he's very comfortable. He's precise. He's a sharpshooter. Uh, Those body I mean, shots were sick. Yeah, no, no. He's yeah. he's got his he's got his game down, man. And when he opens up, he opens up. So he looks he looks really good. I mean, the only thing it looks like he's getting up there in in age. So he's got to, I think, make a move. You know, probably quicker more than yep. later. You know, right. and he's got the he's got the experience. He did good getting back to his feet. Uh, he looked he looked good. Yeah, he's you could see why he. He's a problem, and I could see him giving Izzy a problem just with his length and how he, you know, they're, they're kind of similar. Uh, so that that would be I, – I'd, I'd pay to watch that fight. So Magomed Ankalaevre in the main event extended what is one of the longest winning streaks in light heavyweight history. Uh, what were your thoughts on what the fan base didn't seem to love as a uh, main event? Uh, is that they, they didn't like that fight. Well, I, I didn't like it. Uh, candidly. I mean, yeah. for me, I wasn't wildly entertained. You know, I started well, watching was the... Love is Blind on Netflix. You know? <laughs> what were you watching? Love is Blind. They wow. like start dating in a pod and there's a wall between them. They don't know what he, what, uh, I think I'm probably too shallow at the end of the day, but they don't know what the other person looks like and they end up oh, getting shit. engaged. And then, uh, you know, really, it sounds like yeah. my marriage. Oh. Yeah, you're that kind, of, you're kind of like an arranged marriage, or no? Can you uh, can you buy those pods anywhere? <laughs> I'd actually like to try that now. <laughs> Put a wall between you two. Where did you meet oh, your yeah. wife? No, that's not what the listeners came for. Yeah, no, you don't want to know. Yeah, no. I do want to know what you thought of the main event, though, because at the no, end yeah. time, you can get a tactical, technical fight or whatever. Uh, right. You know, I thought the outcome here was clear. Uh, I just, you know, I knew that I could go take a piss and I probably wasn't going to miss a finish. That's all. Uh, I mean, look, that's the way it turned out. I didn't feel, I felt at any given point in time, something big was going to happen, but you know, still, I mean, uh, Tiago had, a um, Santos had a, a problem with the, you know, the range and he was leaping in. There was some wild stuff and. The other guy was a little respectful also. No, they, I think there was too much respect because they both carry big power, maybe. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know, Kenny. The Santos, I thought, just you know, was taking wild shots. He wasn't really working his way in, and I don't think that's an easy thing to do against the other guy because of his. He was holding the range pretty good too, but he wasn't. He wasn't going for it either, really. So I right. think that was just came down to respect because they're big guys that could end the fight at any point in time. But get me going with something. I don't know. I was delirious. Right. I was just I was right. just happy to be home at that point. So I get a text from my twin brothers at a wedding in Arizona, and the text just says Chris Mutino, right? Because I was with my kids. I was not watching the prelims. I know Kenny hasn't seen this. Did you see that for the fight? Time I, in, 
I that fight I missed. What happened in that fight? For the second time in as many UFC appearances for Chris Mutino, he had the referee stop a fight uh, and lost by like standing knockout. You know, wow. this time it wasn't Sugar Sean O'Malley; it was forty-two-year-old Guido Canetti. Wow, um, landing bombs, and I thought honestly, I know. I believe on the broadcast they initially said, oh, I don't know. And then I think they came back from that statement because it was merciful as far as I'm concerned, the stoppage, you know, just oh, wow. scary. That, yeah, I mean, wow. it's like his head's a brick. Mutino, he's so tough. And uh, I don't know. I'd be curious to talk to Tyson Chartier and some of the people who who are around him. But it's like, you know, you remember what happened to Colby Covington a week ago, uh, that Masvidal shot where his head just spins, Ray, as you put. And Mutino – his head's just like a fucking block, man. And but it's like, I don't know. I just just seeing him absorb well, these bombs not good. I think the misconception is, and I'm sure Ray would agree with this, but it's like just because you have a great chin doesn't mean it's good for you to get hit in the head. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like 100%. it's there's still a brain in there, and you know, there's yeah. damage being taken. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see the fight. I have to go back and watch it. But yeah, it, it's not it's not a, a good sign, you know, yeah. uh, getting hit that much in, in just a couple of yeah. fights. Maybe he needs to, you know, reconsider things and, and, and take a maybe a smarter approach. I don't know. Yeah, and Kenny's 100 percent right. I mean, even when I get a guy with a good chin, it's nice for me to know that just in case they get into something right. like that, he's going to be fine because you've seen it. But you always want that as the last resort. You know what right. I mean? You, you have a great chin. Let's keep it that way until you absolutely need it. But don't go in there and just get – yeah, That that's unfortunate that two times in a row that happened to him because he seems like a nice kid. That's that's awful. Yeah. Uh, all right, a couple other things that I want to get to. Uh, Kenny, I want to lead with you on this if I could. So – Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler are going to fight, I believe, at UFC 274 in May. So the last win for Tony was at UFC 238, June 8th of 2019 against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, His last fight was Ferguson's UFC 262 May of last year against Benil Dariush. I think it's a tricky matchup for Tony at this stage of his career, um, but I'm excited that he's back. Ray, we'll get your thoughts on the back end, but Kenny, your thoughts on, on Ferguson Chandler here coming up in about two months. Well, I mean, it's like if I'm a if I'm a matchmaker and my job is to deliver the most exciting fights that I can, uh, you know, putting a fight together between Chandler and Ferguson's the way to go. It's like, how does that fight not deliver? Uh, I think it should. Now, um, is that the fight that I would want for Tony Ferguson if I, if I'm his friend? I don't know. I mean, Chandler is a beast, but then again, for Chandler he fights right into Tony's wheelhouse too. I mean, this guy just gets in front of your face and starts trading. Now he's probably the more powerful guy, right? I mean, definitely uh, the the better athlete, but Ferguson is a savage as well, man. And he's not going to stop coming forward and he's going to cut you up with elbows and, you know, get funky with his grappling. So I think it'll be an exciting fight. I, I agree. I think it's a tough matchup for Tony, but you know, um, it is a different time. I think if this was a Tony from, uh, you know, a few years ago, I, I would have a little. I would have much more confidence uh, in Tony. But I still think he can win that fight. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I really do. I think that uh, certainly Chandler has more firepower. 
But uh, I'm not surprised they put that fight together. As a matchmaker, looking at it yeah. through matchmaker's eyes, that's that's going to be a very entertaining fight while it lasts. Yeah, fans are juiced. Uh, Michael Chandler, minus 330. Tony Ferguson, plus 270, the underdog. Ray, what do you think about that fight? Big one at 55 there. Yeah, I, I agree with Kenny. If it was five years ago, totally different ball game. I just think... Uh, to get back on the winning track against Chandler, who he wants to get a, another win, who's he like he like again powerful. He could put that fight where he wants it to. He'll I do believe he'll ragdoll him with the wrestling if he if he chose to do that, but he might choose to stand in front and fight with him. But I don't know if that's even Tony's game at this point anymore. You know, that, that's the interesting part because right. he's been through some uh, some wars and I don't I don't know. I'm not, I I would think Three minus three thirty is pretty accurate. All right, all right. Aljamain Sterling is now less than four weeks out from his date with Piotr Jan. Uh, what can you tell us about Aljo's progression? You getting excited? Like you getting excited? No, very, just, yeah, very, 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 very much so. That yeah, right before I left for Florida, he crushed a great, uh, great workout. Um, his sparring looks good. Uh, he's 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 in he's in a pretty good spot. He's strong as hell. The injury's not a problem, which I think is for him is the biggest thing. Yeah. And uh yeah, so far so good. All right, that's good. And any update on Marab Dwalish Willie other than him uh chasing the opposite sex there in Vegas a couple weeks ago? <laughs> no, that's that stays that stayed exactly the same. Okay, but yeah. uh no, he looks he looks great. It's great to have him back in the gym too. But uh uh nothing. I would uh I I would have who they make Font against uh, Rivera? Yeah, Font and Cheeto in a main event. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm su- I'm surprised that he he wasn't thrown in there, but um, I guess they're going to give him Sanhagen. Maybe that's the only available guy. Oh, wow. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be fascinating. It's another you know? great fight. Yeah, I mean, Hamzat Shumayev and Gilbert Burns, that was the fight that we all thought was going to happen like last November, and that's finally been uh, finalized. But uh, yeah. I say every other week on the show, it's going to be fascinating to see who they match Marab up with. You know? I think I, for some reason, I think it's Sanhague. I, yeah. I would have, I would have thought the font fight would have been a great fight for him, but um, yeah. they chose to yeah. go another way. You know, he yeah. is, he, he was injured, even though I can't really tell in the gym at this point, but he did have, he did break his collarbone or something. Yeah. I don't know. Jeez. He's still, He's whipping around like nothing's going on. So I think it's yeah. 95% better. All right. All right, my man. Well, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you go. And hey, next time you come down to South Florida, don't be afraid. Hey, send me a text message. I know you were in and out this time, but I would have banged it down to Miami, buy you a cup of cold I, brew or something, you know? Yeah, I thought you were uh, working. How far are you from Miami? About 50 minutes, 5 0. Oh, it's really just here. about the child care. So I got three children, 10 and under. So yeah. I'm always doing something, but um, always got time for my guy, Ray Longo. The fucking oh, I'll get on the fucking RPL train. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, unless you have anything else, I will wish you uh, a great day and a better evening and, and let you get on with your Sunday. You got Dougie Green coming up 1 p.m. today or what? Oh, yeah. 1230. I'm getting Ooh. out of here right after this. All right, Doug. Don't cancel. Don't cancel late. Wow. Longo's fucking charge you for the private if you cancel late. So. Man, this, guy's, this guy's gonna. This guy's gonna be ecstatic with that shout out. Oh, is he? Oh, oh he yeah. got another one earlier. I think off the top of the show, Dougie fucking oh. Green, man. Let's go, oh. man. Tighten up that guard, man. Raise your guard. <laughs> uh, oh man. 
Uh, hey, all right. I'll talk to you next week. All right. All right, guys. Take Much it easy. Right. Take it. Take care, Kenny. Just trying to make Ray smile. That's all we're trying to do is make that fucking guy smile. Um, <laughs> let's bring on our executive producer, Cody Merrow, for the pronunciation of the week. I mean, what's up with, like, the Longo blind yeah, shot? Three, I mean, can we get the Walked dude into a hornet's head? nest today, huh? I mean, you are. I was, you know, your hey, eyes don't look sleeps as in his clear. bed. Oh, Cody, man, I, I mean, want to get no, your I have take. contact lenses, so that's why my eyes are red. Cody, I want to get your take. You saw, you saw the Muccino fight? I did. Okay, yeah. so you in the chat you said only it was only twenty eight strikes. Now, I didn't. I couldn't tell the tone of it. If you meant like, you know, did did you think it should have been stopped? Did you oh, think yeah. it was? I mean, yeah, it was he bad. was walking yeah. blind out there. I mean, at one point, okay. you know, you can just tell, and I'm sure as a ref, you're two or three feet away. You have a much better, you know, interpretation than anybody. But yeah, I mean, like it was only twenty eight strikes, but they were all big shots. You know, headbanger. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like a fuck. Gotta save fighters from themselves sometimes. Yeah, no, I thought it made sense. And it seemed like there was less of a protest from Mutino than there was when he fought Sean O'Malley, but he did protest nonetheless. But, uh, yeah. Tough Massachusetts boy. I'm telling, too tough for his own good. Ken for that kid there. Uh, All right, Cody. Well, uh, Jack Shore is fighting this man this weekend. We're not going to ask you to pronounce Jack Shore, but, um, it's a fighter that's trained a lot in New Jersey, uh, Dagestan roots. Who am I talking about? I believe this is Timur Valiev. All right, let's let's hear him say it. Timur Lucky Valiev. Timur Lucky Valiev. It's good enough for me, Cam Flo. I mean, I don't know what you think. He didn't give me the Timur. Oh, yeah. Come on, Timur. I can't roll my R's. I'm too Timur. late for that. It's Timur, Mur, not Timur. Mur. Okay. Well, we'll give it to him. We'll give it to you. Like I it? love it. Right? I like Ed Flo. He's not a dictator, but Ken Flo not afraid to. Like uh, when Kenny does chime in, you know it's important. That's the thing. <laughs> like he's not going to nickel and dime you, but when it comes to you know, full quarters, he's going to come at you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, a furious stretch for the UFC continues this weekend as the UFC returns to London for the first time in a hell of a long time. Let's make some picks. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. It is time for the main event challenge as we welcome on Brian Petrie from the MMA Takes podcast. What kind of t-shirt he wears? Cincinnati Reds. What kind of champions does that say? 1990. It's been a while. It's been a while. 1990 is when we got it. Yeah. Is that a world? Is that a world World series? World series shirt. Yeah. 1990. That's right. I like that, man. Yeah. I like that. So how you doing, man? You had another good week. How's everything going? All right. Going well. Kenny got me. Kenny got me this week with Roundtree, but uh, I, I hit my. I'm five and one on this parlay. I give out. I'm crushing it, making making some moves. Just bought a fridge with some of the gaming money. Fridge went on the fridge. Nice. So you know That's we're making point. moves out here with some. Ah, you are making. Money, moves. You know? We almost hit that McKinney pick, by the way. Oh, that was man, I can't. Drew Dober. I mean, if he didn't have a chin like a fucking Buick, I mean, it's over. Crazy. Right? Yeah. I mean, the guy Absolutely. is tough. Yeah, really that that prevented Ken Flo from sweeping the board uh, at six and zero. Oh. Uh, any major takeaways for you, Brian, on the fight card before we move on? I mean, the main event I thought was just okay. We were talking yeah. about Chris Mutino um, on the wrong end of some violence. Khalil Roundtree Jr. Anything jump off the card for you before we move on? 
Javi Basrat is a stud. First off, yep. Trevor Jones. That was the best we've seen. Trevor Jones. He looked he looked unbelievable. Motino. I had no problem with the stoppage. I mean, the guy was a punching bag in there. Unfortunately, um, and then the main event really fell short for me as well. I'm high on Ankalaev. I just felt like. You know, when you get these main event spots in a high profile fight, you got to do a little. I know it's, I know you want to win, you got to do a little more. And I felt like if he really opened his hands up, he would have done okay. But he, he, he caught staring a few times. I mean, Santos is a big, powerful dude, but uh, I just, I don't know if he's going to leapfrog the line there. I mean, it, you know, um, maybe one more before he gets a title shot. But uh, right. yeah, and clearly Roundtree is a fucking savage, dude. dude. God. Man, so I had, I had, I had the pick of Robertson and I had him by sub at plus 800. But when you lose and then you lose in that way by the savagery of Khalil and then the great message he did after the fight, I'm yeah. okay with it. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, that was that was violence and it was awesome. And you were you crushed your methods of victory. I mean, you had Yusuf by decision, Song Yudong by knockout. Overall, it was a productive night. Uh, we mentioned Kenflo going five and one. Uh, BP goes four and two. So Team Attic now is in the black, picking every fight essentially on every main card in the black right now, plus one point two units. Uh, and Kenflo almost there, minus point four. So a big week for the flow as he picks up four points or so. Uh, and we've got four fights to pick coming up this weekend for UFC London. Don't forget the matinee stat time there on the East Coast uh, on ESPN+. Plus. First fight for us, Gunnar Nelson, minus 365. Takashi Sato, former Bilal Muhammad victim, is plus 280. So Gunny hasn't fought since a loss to Gilbert Burns all the way back in 2019 in Denmark. So he ends a two-and-a-half-year layoff here. Was to face Claudio Silva. Instead, it will be the late replacement Sato. He hasn't fought since a loss to Caramel Thunder, Miguel Baeza. That was late 2020. Brian Petrie, Gunnar Nelson, Takashi Sato. Who do you have? First off, these colors don't run, but I am so excited that the UFC is back in London. European crowds, Australian crowds, even the Canadian crowds. I mean, they're electric and uh, it's good. I mean, they're going to tear down the fucking roof. Uh, I'm happy to see Gunnar Nelson back. You know, it's been a while. I I had to look him up. I thought maybe he just took a break, maybe burnt out, but apparently he had some rib injuries that wouldn't heal and got injured again. It's been almost two and a half, three years. Um, I really was going to go Claudio Silva in this fight. We've seen Gunnar Nelson fight a guy on the ground who's very, very good. Good. And he struggled. I mean, albeit it was Damian Maya, he survived, but he's a little outclassed. I mean, Maya's in a different level, but I'm happy to see Gunner back. You know, he's got that weird karate style. It, you know, he blitzes really fast. He's packed some power for being an undersized guy at 170. I do think Gunner Nelson, maybe early in his career, not now because he's getting, uh, you know, his ages, whatever, but 55 would have been a really sweet spot for him. Maybe even 65 if they had that. But uh, I, I like Sil- uh, Claudio Silva in that matchup. Now you enter Takashi Sato, and it's, you know, a guy who packs a lot of power but just doesn't really have much on the ground. You know what I mean? Uh, if if you get caught lacking on Sato, he'll send you the fuck home. I mean, quick. But yeah. I like uh, I like Gunnar Nelson here by choke. He has really good chokes. Sato's coming off a, a, a choke loss, and, and Gunny has, you know, he's got them all. So give me Gunnar Nelson by sub here. Probably early. I think he's going to jump on him early and do it. Probably round one. All right. Yeah. Hard to know what is going on with Sato right now, Ken Flo, if I'm being honest. Last yeah. six wins for Gunnar Nelson have been by submission. Uh, we'll see what version he presents this weekend. Your thoughts on Nelson and Sato on the main card? Well, that's why, you know, I, I think anything less than a submission uh, by by Gunny would be a little bit of a disappointment, in my opinion. Um, I think Gunny is extremely talented. What concerns me sometimes, he again, he gets that head up a little bit too high. Uh, when he trades sometimes and watches his work uh, and it gets a guy like Sato who can crack, uh, he'll take your head off uh, and he'll put you to sleep for sure. But 
Uh, I, I think this is a good fight for Gunny. He should be able to take this one to the mat uh, and get a submission uh, relatively early in this fight. So, yeah, Gunny for the win. You mentioned some of the rib injuries for Gunnar Nelson. I will never complain about a rib injury after what Chance Rencounter has been through recently. Ken Oof. Flo, did you see I reposted no. that? On uh, he absorbed no. a body kick, I believe, in Bellator and broke like five or six ribs. Dude. One of the more recent posts, and he needed to, you know, I've had a couple rib injuries in the last year or so. I shouldn't even yeah. be talking about it, but he had to have like a bunch of metal put in his body to like, yeah, bro. Nah, I've never it, heard that. It Whoa. was nasty. Off a kick. Dude. Off a body spinning, kick. Spinning back kick, heel right. I mean, it was a perfect shot. It was nasty, dude. dude. Bro. Yeah. I got to think Ken Flo is going to be texting the group later. Today. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough. Rough. Um. But thankfully, Chance Rencounter is home and, and out the other side. But that was uh, that was ugly because I kept thinking, like, dude, they got to do something surgically, like right. invasively because he can't do anything. Like I'm sitting here with minor like torn rib cartilage and I'm, you know, paralyzed. Yeah. This dude has his whole rib cage. Fucking all of them just snapped on a line. Absolutely That's not. Insane. Yeah. All right. Patty Pimblett is back in your living room this Saturday. He's a minus 410 favorite against Kazula Vargas, who is plus 310. Pimblett won his UFC debut against Luigi Vendramini. Now he draws Vargas, who is coming off a win over Rong Zhu. That was UFC 261 almost a year ago. Um, any slip up for Pimblett here as a big favorite this weekend? Bri, what do you think? You know, the number's heavy. I mean, I get it. Pimblett's the next star. Patty the baddie, baby. I love him. And listen. <laughs> Next big star, huge following in the UK, signed with Barstool Sports, one of the first MMA or the only MMA guy signed with Barstool Sports. He's making money moves out there, and he looks like a fucking member of the Beatles on steroids. Yeah. The haircut <laughs> is, I mean, I love it. I know Johnny, John doesn't like lettuce, but you got to appreciate that lettuce. On Patty, Patty. Uh, and I don't want to offend the C words, the casuals out there. People get very sensitive. But Patty the Batty, you know, I know he came over a uh, knockout over Lizzie Venomini, but he's a ground guy. I mean, that's his bread and butter. He's not this brawler from Liverpool. Like, he is cerebral. Um, and he's good on the ground. But the problem is, I think his wrestling struggles a little bit. I want to see his wrestling get up because once he gets there, he's very good. I I'm going to let Kenny with the good hair dissect his uh, jujitsu because that's not my fucking – that's not my lane. But I do think he's pretty good. He has some you know, seven wins by submission, a lot of ground and pound finishes on his record. Uh, obviously coming off the electric K over Luigi and me and Casella Vargas, you know, uh, he's got the beach muscles. He's one and two in the UFC. Really? He could probably be two and one. I mean, the Brock Weaver legal knee that was, I mean, he was dominating that yeah. fight, but he looked good against Ron Ju. He looked controlled. He looked measured. You know, he's a little wild in there. He's strong. He kind of, he's got some chokes to his, uh, to his uh, name as well, but I think he's going to struggle with the, the pace of Patty. P Patty the Batty is going to be on fire in London. I think Patty's going to put it on him. He's got unique kicks. His striking's not refined, but he does have some kind of funky kicks, and he obviously shown he's got some power. But I think once he gets to the ground, I think he'll struggle in the first round getting to the ground. I like Patty the finish here. Uh, whatever your book has as a better line, whether sub or ground and pound, hammer that because 410 is heavy. But I do love me some Patty the Batty. All right, good handicap there. Patty the Batty. Minus 410, Ken Flo, what do you think? Petrie always has good info. I don't have a whole lot to add, but I absolutely agree with him. And the good news is, Brian, that he has been, Patty has been working with Justin Flores okay. um, over in San Diego. Justin Flores, phenomenal uh, judoka and wrestler. Uh, he's been helping a lot of guys over um, 
you know, in Southern California for a long time now. Dominic Cruz, one of them who's been working with him. So, uh, yeah, so J-Flo's doing a great job. I think Patty's been really hammering that wrestling, and I agree. I think that's where he's going to be safest and where he's at his best. Um, you know, sometimes he gets a little little crazy, right? The boy from Liverpool starts trading in the pocket, and we saw him even get hurt in that first fight. So yeah. yep. he's not afraid of getting hit, but that concerns me. And I think in this fight, yeah, he's got to take Vargas to the ground, uh, and I think he'll do that and uh, be able to get a sub. All right, co-main event, Dan Hooker back at 145 pounds. He is a minus 120 favorite. Arnold Allen, the even money underdog at plus 100. So Hooker back at featherweight after a 12-fight run at lightweight. He was 8-4 and four in those fights. Last featherweight fight for him came against Mississippi Mean, Jason Knight. He lost that fight November of 2016. Obviously, Bri, we're making this selection about six days before the fight. There's the fight before the fight on the scale mm-hmm. for Dan Hooker. But ultimately, your thoughts on him at featherweight and how he fares here against the credentialed Arnold Allen. You know, I like Dan Hooker, but I, I, I don't like the move back down to 45. He's, he's got a big frame on him. I liked him at 55. I know you, you, you're, you're having some losses, so maybe you want to mix your career up a little bit. Maybe, maybe some more shots down here. But I actually think his frame fits 170 at a little size. You don't see a lot of guys do that. Maybe it's a strength issue. Maybe he does train with 70s and go, maybe I can't compete with these guys. But, you know, uh, the weight cut on top of the fact that he has faded before in fights, is a recipe to just fade this guy. You know what I mean? I, you know, I just don't know. He's, I've seen pictures of him. He's obviously doing the weight cut, right? But it, it worries me. He has been in there with some of the best guys at 55 and look good. I mean, that, that Poirier fight sticks out in my mind. That was an amazing fight. He slowed down. Poirier took over. And then you got Arnold Allen. who has been in the USC since 2015, which is wild to me. And I go, how's this guy been around for so long? And you know, he fights once a year. The only year he had two fights in the UFC was 2019. He fights once a year, disappears. At 145, the stack division, you can't do that. You have to be front and center or people, idiots like me, forget you. Um, but he's very good. He's coming off a good win over Sadiq Yusuf. And the thing about Allen is he p- pushes a really good pace. Sometimes he might not be able to keep up his own pace, but he pushes a good pace and he mixes things up very well. If you want to strike, he'll take you down. If you want to start grappling, he'll strike with you. It's very interesting. And this is a tough fight. I, the, Vegas got the line right. Um I'm going to lean Allen. You know, this is in London. I'm going to go Allen by decision here. You give me a slight dog in London. I'm going to take it. So I like Allen by decision in a competitive fight. I think it's going to come down to the third round. Beautifully set up there by Brian Petrie. Ken Flo, I would lay off of this fight. I just think there are too many unknowns here. Um, ultimately, a huge spot for both men. Your thoughts on the co-main event. And ultimately, we will need a winner, Dan Hooker or Arnold Allen. Yeah, listen, I think this is a fascinating fight for a lot of different reasons. Arnold Allen um, is an excellent striker, definitely has some pop in his punches. He, The way he, that he puts it together, uh, I think, ha- has looked pretty good here in the UFC. Um, and I am concerned about that weight cut for Dan Hooker, as Brian said. So that's going to be a, a tricky one. However, all things considered, assuming... Uh, it goes well for him. I think his height and reach is going to be a problem for Arnold Allen. And I think if Allen can't get his timing and can't get his combinations going, I, I think it's going to throw him off. And, and Dan Hooker has that size and, and reach and knows how to use it. He circles well when he's on point on point with his game. Um, and he's not too shabby on the ground either. So I think it should be an interesting fight. It'll be a close fight. But I, I like Dan Hooker here. Um, but of course, 
that weight cut's going to be crucial to his success. Yeah, it's an interesting career move. I do believe 55 is his wheelhouse, but he knows he can make featherweight. Um, but it is an interesting decision for Dan Hooker, given all the success that he realized at lightweight. Um, even if he didn't see a championship trajectory there, I just felt like there were a lot of big fights still at 55, main event type fights. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, pushing the reset button this weekend against Arnold Allen. All right, main event at heavyweight. Alexander Volkov minus 120. Tommy Aspinall is the even money underdog plus 100. Aspinall still just 28 years old, 4-0 in the UFC, so really just getting going. Um, on the other side, Volkov, as tested in the UFC and otherwise, Brian, as any heavyweight out there, 34-9 overall and has some momentum as well. He's won three of his last four. Volkov, the slight favorite, or Aspinall, the slight dog for you, kid? I don't get, uh, you know, being a bigger guy myself, you know, I should really hype up the heavyweights. I usually don't get that. I'm excited, man. Listen, Tom Aspinall, I'm a bit biased here. I'm going to come a little clean here. You know, uh, he's won me a lot of money and he's looked great in UFC. Now I know two of his wins were Collier, who's a middleweight, who's up to heavyweight, and Alan Boudou, who doesn't have a win in the UFC. But the finish over Andre Lasky was was great you know he had a rough first round and a lot of freight trains when they lose the first round are not going the way they want they kind of freak out we kind of see it with Terrence McKinney a little bit not, not throwing shots at McKinney and but he didn't he says you know what I'm gonna come out I'm gonna take him down submit him the only other guy to submit Orlowski was Josh Barnett you know what I mean and then Sergey Spivak who's a stud who gets a little underrated I think at times maybe yeah. a little chinny but he finished him in the first round it's it's you know it's great I mean Tom Aspinall boxing on point B- BJJ on point looks like Frank Mir's son on point. I mean, this guy has it all. And then you got Volkov, whose resume is just too long to list. He's been a champ at other organizations. He's fought everyone. He's six seven. Every time I think he fights, I feel like he's seven three because that's how he fights. Rangy guys, front kicks amazing. Punch punches on you. It's hard to get on him. The big knock on him was just take him down. Just take him down, right? Curtis Blades did, but he sized up. He's really kind of nipped that in the butt. And Aspinall, again, coming from that Liverpool camp, coming from the Dan, uh, or excuse me, the Darren Till camp. What kind of wrestling does he have? That's what I want to know. We know he's got some jujitsu skills. What kind of wrestling does he have? He's a big kid too. He's six five. Um, but listen, I'm gonna, I, you know, listen. I think Aspinall's the guy here. He's the future heavyweight, future of heavyweight contenders. He's so fast. He moves his feet really well. His boxing's on point. His moves on point. He seems within himself as well. His post fight interviews seems humble. He's not like you know bashful or whatever. He's just seems like he's putting his head down and working. But I do see value on Volkov at minus one twenty. I thought he might have been a little bit of a favorite. I thought I was going to steal something from Vegas here. But I like Tommy Aspinall. I like him a late TKO finish. The one. Caveat I have though is this is his first five round fight. This is the biggest step up in competition and five rounds, so we, we got to be careful. But I, I think the sky's the limit for uh, Aspinall. Yeah, I do too. I think he's going to grapple, but he has a lot of skills uh, on which he can lean. Ken Flo, how do you have the main event playing out? Yeah, listen, I, I think for Aspinall, it's going to be interesting to see if this fight goes past the third round, how he responds. And again, he's fighting in England. That could be a blessing and a curse. That could, of course, buoy a, a fighter, but it can also put a lot of pressure on a fighter as well. So really curious to see how he handles the main event spot, the main event spot in England, uh, and how he deals with uh, a very tall fighter in Volkov, uh, who has uh, gone the distance, who knows what it's like to get into those championship rounds. So um, big spot for Aspinall. I-, I think he has a ton of potential. What concerns me sometimes is when he, he gets caught trading. Uh, and oftentimes he's the faster guy, he's the more athletic guy, so he gets away with it. Has to be careful here against Volkov, who also knows how to utilize those long-range weapons. So um, I-, I will go with Aspinall here. Um, I do think he has more potential than Volkov. I think he's a better athlete. 
Um, I think he's going to be faster and needs to utilize that, but also pace himself for this five-round fight just in case. So, um, And I think this is one of those fights for those that are betting where you kind of want to put put your money on on the underdog here. Mm-hmm. And right now, I believe Aspinall is the underdog. Right? He is. He yeah. absolutely no. is. Let's go with Aspinall as well. I wish I could go the other way. Uh, I hate agreeing with Brian, <laughs> but uh, the, kid, the kid's right. The kid is right. Yeah. All right. So this week, it'll be decided on the Hooker-Allen co-main event. That is the lone fight of dissension uh if you want more from brian petrie it is at mma takes podcast That's hey right. enjoy the rest of your sunday man we got some yeah, merchandise you. coming your way as well so awesome um, i love know, the wear cincinnati reds loud and proud i, I got a reds okay. t-shirt i'll maybe pull out for you next week i, ha- I had a baseball's back i had a jersey a johnny Ben's throwback i almost wore it but i'm like i'm gonna go t-shirt instead maybe, right. little, maybe, little, yeah. maybe yeah. wait yeah. for opening day or in there you go perfect there you go yeah. All right, Brian. Hey, have a great rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, boys. See ya. Good stuff. There man. he is, Brian Petrie, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast, and that puts a bow on episode 340. Uh, if you want to get in on the new merchandise that I'm wearing today, anakinflorianpodcast.com. Check our social media for promotional codes. Also, don't forget one more sleep merchandise at millions.co. Remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anna coming up this Thursday. May just have a UFC champion on the program. Kenny Florian, martialarts.com for all your jujitsu essentials. Cannot recommend that enough. If you are a fighter, a commentator, a fan, uh, and you want a more intricate, or if you're a practitioner, really. I mean, if you're a practitioner like me, Kenny Florian, martialarts.com. And we are back with you. Next week, next Sunday, we'll recap the UFC's return to London and, of course, preview that March 26th show coming up in Columbus, Ohio. Main event there, Chris Dawkins and Curtis Razorblades. Thanks to Ray Longo and Brian Petrie. For our producer, Cody Merrill and Ken Flum, John Anderson, so long for now. Thanks for watching, listening, subscribing. We will talk to you next week. Until then, yo later. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.